This is the Only in Miami show, hosted by Grant Stern. Tonight's show is underwritten by Morningside Mortgage Corporation. Morningside Mortgage Corporation keeps the Only in Miami show commercial-free. You can find them online at www.morningsidemortgage.com. That's www.morningsidemortgage.com. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You can find us online at www.onlyinmiamishow.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, Podcasts, and a whole lot more. We have a lot of social media on there, and we'd love it if you check us out. You can find the show on Twitter at Only in Miami Show. And of course, I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern. And we love to hear your feedback, your comments. And you can tell us during the show, we do monitor that stuff. We've got a great show for you tonight, and I can't wait to present this list of wonderful guests. We have two guests who are presenting at the Miami Book Fair International, um, which is coming up in downtown November 16th through the 23rd. We will have Charles U. Phillips, who is fighting more than fires, in studio with us, and his memoirs are going to be at the book fair. You're also going to be speaking there, correct? That's right. And uh, he is a form, the, the former fire chief and director of the Miami-Dade, fire County, uh, Miami-Dade County Fire Rescue Department and the first African-American to hold that position. Then we will have it, the music of Electric Piquete all throughout this particular show. And we're really excited to have Mike Moot and Chris, the guitar player, around. They're going to narrate some of their songs and tell you a little bit about what's upcoming. And we're going to have a really great giveaway at the 808 hour while we're discussing Electric Piquete with them. I hear they're going to be at Miami's newest venue, the Ball and Chain, let's say the newest retro venue. And they're going to tell us a whole lot more during all of our commercial breaks. So everything you hear tonight is going to be from Electric Piquete. Then at 7.30, we have Andrea Askowitz and Sarah Klein. She is a lip service storyteller. And Andrea Askowitz uh, is also presenting at the Miami International Book Fair. Uh, Their book is called Badass Lip Service, True Stories, the Double Album by Lomini Books. And Andrea is the editor, and we're really excited to have those two lovely ladies in the studio at 7.30. But right now, I'd love it if the audience would take a couple of minutes to indulge me, the host, and listen to a couple of my thoughts on issues that impact the entire area, all of South Florida, all of Miami. And last week, I was saddened to hear that the Miami-Dade County Commission approved a corporate welfare subsidy for 20th Century Fox. Yes, Fox News, they're the same people, 20th Century Fox. They are getting... $13 million in corporate welfare. But it's not just anywhere. It's something that was requested by Dennis Moss. He is a longtime county commissioner, excuse me, representing South Dade. And he is seeking that funding to place Miami Wilds, a water theme park by Fox News, or excuse me, 20th Century Fox Corporation, pardon me, into a Pine Rocklands forest bordering the turnpike at Coral Reef Drive that is currently owned by the Coast Guard. Now, many of you have heard Pine Rocklands before. Why? 
because Walmart is looking to develop another corner of those same pine rock lands, some of the most endangered habitat in our country, not just our city or our state. It is the largest uh, outpost of such pine rock lands, the Richmond tract that they would like to build in, both Walmart and Fox. It's pretty crazy. There's a lot of land in this city that's not being developed. There's infill throughout Miami-Dade County. You can go north and you can go south. But for some reason, these large corporations are all looking to build in some of the most endangered areas in the city. And I would like to commend Mayor Jimenez for issuing a memorandum on November 6th, freezing development in all of the Pine Rocklands areas and the Zoo Miami Entertainment area, subject to coming to agreement with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Anyhow, this is an issue that we will update our listeners on throughout the rest of this year and likely into next year. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Dr. Charles U. Phillips. This is the Only in Miami show. Listening to Only in Miami with Grant Stern. This is Michael from Electric Piquete, and you're listening to our version of El Ratón by Cheo Feliciano. Enjoy. Show and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find us online at www.onlyinmiamishow.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, Podcast, and a whole lot more. We'd love you to check us out. www.onlyinmiamishow.com. We are here with Dr. Charles U. Phillips. Dr. Phillips, thank you for coming on the show. 
Thank you for inviting me. So I've got your book here. It's going to appear at the Miami Day, uh, the, the Miami Book Fair International, which is November 16th through the 23rd. Do you have a particular day that you're opening at the show? Yes, it's Saturday the 22nd at 10.30 uh, a.m. in room 7106. Okay, so it's Saturday at 10 a.m. Yes. And room? 7106. All right. So it's a long book. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get through the whole thing here. But I'd like to just start off with a couple of questions about your basic background. It says that you're actually originally from North Carolina. But when did you move to Miami? How old were you? Yeah, I, when I was three years old, uh, okay. my parents moved um, to Miami, Liberty City, and I was raised uh, in Liberty City. And it was a different Miami back then. Can you tell our audience just a little bit about that? Well, uh, my era, uh, when I, in fact, when I moved in Liberty City, we were the first uh, on our, in our neighborhood. And we moved into an all-white, and this is Liberty City, 58 Terrace, and and uh, 9th Avenue, between 9th and 10th Avenue. And within a three-year period, it had a transformation. Wow. Went from a all-white, you know, with us being the only uh, black family, to all-black. Wow, all-African-American yeah. after that. Yeah. And, yeah. and But it was a lot <laughs> different place back then. Yeah. Miami wasn't such a cosmopolitan city, and there were some pretty... Well, we were very cosmopolitan laws. Yeah, it was a lot of restriction placed upon, especially African Americans. Even to go Miami Beach, you had to wear, uh, uh, have an uh, get an ID tag in order to work in Miami Beach. So the area was different. An know? ID tag to work I, on Miami Beach. That's correct. You had to apply for it. You know, sometimes I want to give people on the beach an ID tag to get off the beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's wild, man. I'd, I'd never heard that before. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, people, you know, people that are here today, they just, it's such a melting pot now. They really don't have any recollection if you're under the age of 40 of any of those days. Oh, no. Uh, you know, the kids today, and they really sort of forget or not taught their history. And, you know, and I'm a history lover, and I think it's important for people to understand their history because if you don't know your history, you're really walking in the desert blindfolded. And you need to know your history to understand where you came from in order to progress. I agree. And and let me just throw this out there for the audience. Uh, you can find The Good Doctor. He's at fighting underscore fires on Twitter. Yes. And <laughs> and and I'm certain that you fought a few fires besides just the ones with the, the oh, hot stuff. That's right. <laughs> um, it, it was a very different era coming up through, you know, working for the government back in when did you start? I started in 1974. Uh, in the early 70s, the federal court forced Miami-Dade County to start hiring African-Americans. Well, that's always promising when the, <laughs> a federal court forces the government to do something. At least it means they'll do it half-heartedly for a little while, right? Yes. So how did that go? Well, you know, it was a trying time. I knew the only uh, uh, recollection I had of firefighters, I joined the fire department when I was 20 years old. The only recollection that I had of firefighters and they were firemen, as they were called back during that time, was, you know, as a kid growing up watching civil rights workers, you know, walking and marching peacefully. And you, you see uh, police officers and the firefighters mocking them and the firefighters turning their hoses, high-pressured hoses, 
on the peaceful marchers and laughing at them, you know, causing bodily injury. It doesn't sound like they were putting out the uh, the kind of fires they were hired to put out with that. <laughs> yeah, that's what's, that's that's poignant in this yeah. imagery. I was actually reading about that in in Malcolm Gladwell's book uh, David and Goliath this yeah. weekend, and they talk about the the fire hoses and the imagery, and also the the image of the canine yes taking a bite out of the student walking home. See that you know that was my. F- picture in my head when a friend of mine, you know, my anointed big brother, uh, Tommy Williams, who sort of talked me into, you know, joining the fire service with him. He wanted me to be a part of this new frontier. So, you know, and when I I told him, I said, those people hate us. You know, why <laughs> would we want to go into, you know, something where they didn't want us? And that's the way it was. And I was a part of the first class 28, the first African-American, predominantly African-American class. And, I mean, and I, I knew. Well, back then, uh, the African-American minority in Miami-Dade County was, what, probably like 30% of the population? Yes, maybe. yes. Probably, actually, probably a little bit more at that time. Yeah. And then slowly declined. Well, it's it, not that it, the population slowly declined. Increased. So other right. populations it increased. increased. That's yeah. correct. That's correct. That's yeah. Correct. Yeah. Well, you know, in in Mr. Gladwell's book, it says that, you know, people who have uh, they're conscientious and open to experiences, but they have high levels of disagreeableness tend to rise up to the top. Well, I think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah, I think that was true. I think, uh, uh, like I said, I was a part of that class and we were a class of 48, uh, 40 African-Americans. And it was uh five uh, white males and, I mean, five Hispanics and three uh, white males in that class. They were forced to, because of no percentage of minorities on there, so they said you would have one major class for Hispanic, one major class for African-Americans to try to get them up to par, because the Miami-Dade Fire Department at the time uh, was close to 400 uh, members. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was it was very disproportionate to, oh, yeah. to the society that it was... Yeah. A task to protect, and I, I I knew the tone was set when I went for my interview. Uh, after I passed uh, the entrance exam, I went to my interview, and one of the questions that was uh, asked, uh, uh, they wanted to know, can I get along with white people, and that became <laughs> one of my title. And I'm looking, and you know, and, and they were all serious and stuff like that. And of course, I gave the correct answer, but you know. Inside, I had this hesitancy, you know, do I really want to be a part of this type of organization? You know, because I'm 20 years old, you know, I, I, I grew up in an inner city. That would city. be a really heavy question you know, to be asked oh, at 20 years old. Oh, yes, yes. But, you know, that was, that was nothing compared to my first day in the fire college when, I mean, they told us right off that they didn't want us there. And the only reason we were there because they were forced, you know, by the courts. They have us there. So, I mean, and this is the first day, you know, and they told us that we were coming in their home. Uh, somebody who's been <laughs> fighting Walmart, I, I've been told go away by uh, local government more than once, so I understand. <laughs> oh, man, that that's crazy, though. So how did that translate into later years, into the experience that, you know, helped you move up the ranks? I mean, how did that play out? Because well, you, you obviously went and got further educated. You didn't just yes. go in and look for the 20-year out. And 
Yeah. Yeah. When I when I joined, like I said, I was 20 years old, but I was completing two years of college at, at Miami Dade. My goal was to be a, a lawyer and change the world. And even when I joined the fire department, it was just to save enough money to pay my tuition, you know, for law school, eventual law school. But uh, the more they told me they didn't want me there, the more I wanted to stay and wasn't going to allow them to force me out. Well, if it makes you feel any better, you made a great choice because there's too damn many lawyers out there. I, I mean, agree. there really are. There's one on every corner right yeah. now and not enough firefighters and people putting their lives on the line. And, and one thing I can say that even all the, the adversary and, you know, crap and abuse that I went through and others went through, you know, uh, being a firefighter, I think, is the most rewarding career I could have possibly imagined. And I really enjoy uh, the fire service. I enjoy working in the public sector, you know, to get that thrill, that feeling when you save someone and you're making a difference. And I think, and that's what we do. We make a difference, you know, and to see the faces, you know, especially if you're rescuing a child or, you know, doing those type of things, you know, that gives you a deep inner feeling that I don't think you can get anyplace else. And you certainly don't get it from just mm. suing somebody. <laughs> <laughs> not not to offend. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are attorneys, and they do do important work, but there are so many of them out there. So, so many of them out there. So what did you actually wind up getting your doctorate in? Uh, global leadership. You know, I, um, I received my bachelor's degree in uh, fire science and administration. In fact, I, uh, when they started that program nationwide, I was one of the, uh, the three people in that first group uh, to receive a bachelor's degree in, in uh, fire science administration. Then okay. later on, I received a master's degree in public and business management. And later on, uh, I didn't finish my Ph.D. till after I left the fire service. Well, at what point did you decide that you were looking to move up within the service? The day I was in fire college. Yeah. When they told me they didn't want me there, you know, my that was folk, it. You just yeah, my, that that inspired you. Inspired me in in the sense that the system need to be changed. And I said one day, you know, I hope to be in charge of uh, the training division because when people first come in, see, that's the thing. You're you like, well, I tone. would just like to be in charge of the training division, and yeah. that's that. Maybe that's how it starts. Yeah, that's how it starts. Because I wanted to change the attitude, people coming in and saying, you know, the welcome mat is out for you and not closed. And to get the diversity that was needed in this organization. So I did want and and that was the first uh, um, administrative job that I, you know, that I uh, was promoted to, uh, chief division chief of training. That's great. You see, I, I, the reason I ask is because I'd like to get your feedback for what a young person who would like to follow in your career of public service should be looking to do when they're at that age, because it's, that it's really difficult. People are really, you know, at that age, it's tough to know what do you want to do? How do you proceed into doing this? Like how important was it to get an education along with working, not just go in, punch the clock? Oh yeah. You know, and, and that's the key. I do a lot of mentoring, you know, throughout Miami-Dade County. And one of the things I always stress is education, you know, if I didn't receive or work towards the educational level that I did, I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, it, it's a part of me. It's a part of me. It's that training. 
the things that you need in, in order to uh, move up in the system. But I didn't do it necessary to move up in the system. I did it because I want to learn, learn what the process. That's why I received so many uh, department certifications because I wanted to know every aspects of the department and just not focus on uh, firefighting or paramedic, which I was, uh, those type of things. You know, I was the airport fire chief. I was the first African-American airport fire chief of Miami-Dade County. I became the first African-American deputy director of Miami-Dade County. So those, it was hard work. It was hard work, but it was a challenge. And, and, I, and I always took the position, I wasn't competing against no one else but me. My ability to succeed in spite of all the obstacles placed in front of me. And so long as I had that focus, you know, it wasn't the next person I was competing. It was me. If I didn't achieve things that I wanted to do, I need to go back, learn something else, and progress. And that's why my book, it, it is my autobiography, and it talks about the challenge of segregation and integrating the fire service. But it's also... Uh, the theme of the book is the power of perseverance. You know, how you stay focused, live your dream, and always believe in yourself and you will succeed in life. So your card says at the top, and this is this is on the books as well. It's the top, the, the, I guess it's the subheading of the book, even mm -hmm. though it's at the top there. It says, fighting more than fires, race and politics in Miami-Dade County. Now, I had promised myself that we weren't going to bring out the <laughs> P word the week after the election just yet, but let's, let's get into it. So, <laughs> um, so, okay. What years were you the, the chief? I was the chief, uh, 2001 to two, uh, into 2003. Okay. And I guess a lot of people in Miami-Dade County have heard of one of your successors as chief. Was he your successor? Mr. Uh, the current mayor, Carlos Jimenez? Uh, no, he was the city of Miami. Oh, no, that's right. He was the city of Miami. The smaller chief. department. <laughs> ah, that's right. The smaller department. So so there's a little history with fire chiefs around here uh, yes. getting somewhat political. So yeah. what? how does that factor into your memoir? Well, you, it factors in that we have that high motivation to achieve and to be a leader. I think uh, uh, that's a part of it. Once you get a certain... Uh, into it at a certain level, you know, that aggressiveness and that ability to lead and be in charge and, you know, and, you know, sometimes we uh, too egotistic to not all of us, but some of us, you know, and that can uh, be the reason why we make these challenges. One of the, uh, my previous chief prior, uh, that I worked under was uh, David Paulison. He became uh, the National Fire Academy uh, administrator, top chief in the country and later FEMA director. Oh, wow. So so how did it translate here? I mean, was it, you know, once you become the chief, it's like it, it is a political job, I guess. In well, sense. before that, before that, and that's what I learned, and that's what I talked about, the politics. And it's, it's more than just, it, like you said, the subtitle is Race and Politics in Miami-Dade County. Miami-Dade County is highly political. When I did my dissertation, I did it on office politics. And it is hard to succeed in a highly political environment, especially in Miami-Dade. And, and I, I talk about my era. You know, it's so much pressure, you know, on directors. And people see, all they see, may see is a director being indicted on something like that. But it's so much pressure from elected officials to, you know, 
turn a blind eye to the rules or force in order to keep their job. Oh, see, yeah. I've seen uh, I've encountered so much of that yeah. that, uh, you know, it, it's really amazing that they can even do their jobs with the amount of pressure that they're under from all sides all the time. Yeah. And, and sometimes the only thing you see. You just see the headlines of saying this director was charged because he allowed this lobbyist to do this or whatever. But guess who brought that lobbyist to him? And his job was tied into that lobbyist. Who, because poli- like the politicians bring the politicians, the They bring yeah. the lobby. You know, I, I had one county manager um, that, uh, and, and I have, the, it's a tell-all in the book. So I put it in there. Okay. You know, we're, well, but tell our audience now because we want to know. Well, how, how does this really work? Because it's it all seems like magic. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, if the city wants it or the county wants it, well, up could be down. Well, see, the thing is, you'll get a lobbyist may come to your office, and uh, and will tell you say, well, I was sent by this commissioner or this person, and and they said it's okay. And if I tell them that the code of silence is in place and then I get a call from that official and said, he's a good person. Those are code words. And and, in a lot of people that are not, I'm talking about directors and uh, uh, managers are not strong enough. You know, I went into job knowing uh, uh, my parameters. You know, I wasn't going to sacrifice my ethic and moral beliefs. And so if I was fired or pushed out based on that, so be it. You know, I had, you know, I didn't just rely on the fire department for my survival. I educated myself. I know how to survive, you know, and I was prepared to do it my way and do it the right way. Well, it's difficult to maintain independence while you're employed by a government organization because these government organizations make all sorts of decisions for everybody, not just the, the employees. And that's the bad part about it, because, see, you have people and administrators and managers, professional really want to do the right thing. But when you get pressure, you get a call from downtown saying they want this, want you to be in favor of this. So you've got to stand up there and support it, because if you don't, you know, your job is on the line. And some people, they're in a, they got families to support. And so, of course, some of them will look the other way. You know, weak-minded people will do. And I'm not saying all of them weak-minded because they do it. It's just the pressure of the job itself. And, it's, and, and it was a constant. It was a constant. You get constant flow of... Uh, uh, it's okay. You're talking to a guy who spent 18 months <laughs> litigating that four plus one does not, in fact, equal three. So I get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's wild. But, I mean... Is it is do you think that there's pay for play going on in general out there in our system? Is is that how oh, is yeah. that really pay for play at this point? Just code words? Yeah, it's always been that way. As far as since I came on, I can't say how it was before. And you would hope it would get better. And sometimes and you can tell the people that really have strong conviction and try to do the right thing. And then all of a sudden they're out of a job. You know, I remember Angela Giddings. Uh, she was the director of the airport. Right, the airport. Director. And she wouldn't allow no deals. She said you had to do it the right way. You owed money. You had to pay. She didn't stay there long. They got her out. And, and that's how it is. If you a strong-minded person and trying to do the right thing, it's very difficult. So how can we reform the system to reward people who do the right thing for taxpayers? 
and and ignore these kind of pressures? How can we insulate them? It is is very difficult. I I don't know if you can because I I, I set up and and now before you had so many different commissioners, now you got one mayor. That right, is you have a strong the mayor. mayor. So it's very difficult. Now I'm not saying uh, he's doing those things, but what I'm saying a uh, that's a lot of power, and he can wield it, and he can dictate or place the people who he want in those positions and saying, this is what I want, you know, and this is where we're going. It's very interesting. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely the, the management problem of Miami's governments these days. Yeah, and South Florida is very difficult to work in as a, a professional manager. It's very difficult, you know, very difficult. Well— Okay, I want to give our audience a little bit more about how they can find you. Your website is charlesufillips.com. That's correct. And uh, they can email you at? Info uh, at charlesufillips.com. Okay, and your Twitter account is? Is Fighting More Than Fires. Uh, oh, the the book is Fighting More I mean, Than Fires. Yeah, the Twitter is Fighting Slash Fighting fires. underscore Fires. We got yes. it. All righty. Well, it's going to be this Saturday at the Miami Book Fair International, or is it the next Saturday? Uh, it's the 22nd, okay. next Saturday. So next Saturday, November 22nd at the Miami International Book Fair, uh, Saturday morning, 10 a.m. 10.30. a.m. 10.30 a.m. in room 7106. All righty. And you can uh, find out more about the book fair at Miami Book Fair on Twitter. And I strongly advise you reach out to those guys. They can answer all of your questions. Charles, thank you very much for coming on the show. And thank you for having me. We'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. This is Chris from Electro Piquete. You're listening to the Only in Miami show. This is our song, Mother Smother, remixed by DJ Lispan. Michael again reminding you to stay tuned. We're going to have a giveaway coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. So don't nobody go nowhere. I'll say,
This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You can find us online at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. That's www.onlyinmiamishow, SoundCloud, iTunes, podcasts, and a whole lot more. We are here with Andrea Askowitz and Sarah Klein of Lip Service. Lip Service. Ladies, thank you for joining us. Andrea, speak up. Thanks for having us. Hi. (laughs) Good to have you on the show. And Sarah, glad to have you on as well. Thank you. So you've got a really, really cool organization. Tell our audience a little bit about the stories that Lip Service tells. Lip Service tells true personal stories out loud. The stories are funny. They're sad. They're revealing, they're sexy, they're everything, and they're totally inspiring. And there's something special about having eight storytellers. Right. No, what's special is that we're on 880 AM radio, and this is right now Lip Service's eight-year anniversary. And we love the number eight because Lip Service is eight stories, eight storytellers, eight minutes each. I like it. I like it a whole lot. <laughs> so you guys are, are based in Miami, right? So yep. these are Miami stories. They are, but we actually call ourselves Lip Service International. because well, it, because you're in Miami. Uh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but because we do accept stories from anyone anywhere in the world. And we've had stories from, we had a nun tell a story, a nun from Guatemala. All righty. We, we just had someone fly in from New York to tell a story last Saturday night, Elizabeth Coster. We had, the, we had Dan Jones from Modern Love, the New York Times column, Modern Love. Okay, okay. But most of our stories are stories from local cab drivers or teachers or anybody who has a story, which is everybody, but local Miami people. Lo- a lot of local Miami people I've heard do have at least one story. <laughs> Everyone has a story. So and then when people come to lip service, they I, I know this happens because they always tell us it does. They're sitting in the audience and they're listening to the stories and they get this in, in this moment comes where they're like, oh, I could do that. I want to do that. And anyone can. So if anyone wants to, all of our listeners, they can go to lipservicestories.com and read about how to submit a story. Okay, and are you guys on Twitter? Because I, I I need to know. You guys are on yes, Twitter, right? Yes, we're on Twitter. Yeah. What, what's your Twitter Lip handle? Lip Service Miami. Okay, at Lip Service Miami. We're going right. to tell everybody about it. There's the Lip Service Stories. So you guys have a, I guess it's an album or a book album or well, talk to me. What is yes. it that's coming out at the book fair? I like that you called it an album, but because it's called, we call it the double album. It's called Badass, Lip Service True Stories, the double album. And we call it the double album because you get two two shows in one. So you you open the book and you read eight true personal stories, and then you flip the book right, and you and get another eight cover. more. Yeah, there's another cover, and you get eight uh-huh. more stories. Yeah, we are so proud of Badass. And That's Sarah really cool. Klein is one of our storytellers who's told the story on she's actually told two stories from the main stage and her story obsessed is in our badass anthology. It's okay. some of the best of Lip Service's first 8 years. Okay, great. Uh what we're going to do is we're going to give Sarah a few minutes here to read her story to the audience, right? Sure, yeah, for sure. Okay, so audience Stick with us. This is going to be awesome. This is 
Obsessed, right? Yep, obsessed. Obsessed by Sarah Klein. She is a lip service storyteller. Okay, here we go. My father was obsessed. Obsessed with Paris, then hot sauces, then walking sticks, then hats. He jumped from obsession to obsession. Just when you'd get used to one, he'd hit you with another. Whatever the thing was, he'd collect it, talk about it, buy books on it, and wear it to your school when you asked him not to. When the obsessions involved clothes or accessories, my mother called them costumes, like his beekeeper's hat, which was camouflaged with a mesh face mask that came down to his shoulders. It had an adjustable elastic drawstring at the bottom of the mesh veil. You could pull it tight to keep bees out or leave it loose to pick up your preteen daughter from the Friday night middle school dance. The beekeeper's hat replaced the akubra. Please don't wear the cowboy hat, my mother pleaded. It's not a cowboy hat. It's an akubra from Australia, my father said. He wore it when he took me to the food court at the mall for lunch at Sabaro in Lansing, Michigan. After hats came cats. We got a cat. And then we got another cat. I got a cat brooch for my birthday. 13-year-olds don't wear brooches, and I'd asked for Doc Martens. But three months, things held steady. I was just getting used to cat everything when my father woke up one Saturday morning and announced we were going to the store to buy a menorah. A what? I asked. And just like that, cats became Hanukkah. We were Catholic, and it was June. In September, against my mother's wishes, my father enrolled my brother and me in Hebrew school. Because we were the new Jews, the rabbi said we'd have to start at the beginning. So Aaron and I joined the Hebrew school first grade. I was 13. Aaron, 14. In the Hebrew school first grade, we colored pictures and sang songs. We ate apples dipped in honey at snack time. I learned the Hebrew alphabet in just two weeks' time. In Hebrew school first grade, I shined. Aaron, however, did not. He wanted to be riding his skateboard or shooting birds with a BB gun in our backyard. He did not want to sing, David, Melech Yisrael, with seven-year-olds. One Sunday morning during Hebrew school recess, Aaron locked two of our first-grade classmates in the bathroom with the lights off. They cried and told on him. The rabbi called my father and suggested that Aaron not return to Hebrew school. Aaron was a bad Jew. It's okay, my father reasoned. I still have one Jewish kid. The rabbi told my father I was a quick learner and showed signs of Jewish promise. If I continued on this path, he said, I would be promoted to second grade after Hanukkah. My father was overjoyed at this news and hugged me for the first time I could remember since I bought him a beret. I beamed. I was going to be the best Jew in the world. Top dog. Misbar Echad. Around Thanksgiving, I started making my Hanukkah list, which took a lot of time since I had to pick out eight presents instead of the one or two I got when I was Catholic. Even though Aaron wasn't Jewish anymore, he made a list too. Eight was better than one. 
for this part, he wanted back into the tribe. In December, I began making careful preparations. I placed a multicolored birthday candle in each of the menorah's nine holes. My father said he didn't think we were supposed to light them all at once or use birthday candles, but he deferred to me, the resident Jew. Each night when he got home from work, he put on the shawl he bought from the Hebrew school gift shop and we played dreidel while our two cats sat on his lap. I sang the Hebrew alphabet and my father clapped along. Aaron ate Doritos. We were one happy Jewish family. Except for my mother. My mother didn't sing or play dreidel. My mother knew that Paris became hot sauces, which became walking sticks, which became hats, which became cats, which became Hanukkah. She knew that my father's obsessions had and would become our obsessions. Because I would be the best Jew until he fell in love with chamber orchestra music. And then I would be the best violinist until he started collecting tea from around the world. And then I would make him a teapot out of clay and give it to him for Father's Day. The Saturday before Hanukkah, my father took us to Thai Kitchen for lunch. Afterward, we went to Bed Bath & Beyond, where he bought a walk. I thought nothing of it. But when I got home from school on Monday, I noticed cookbooks lying open on the kitchen counter. Fast food made Asian. 101 Asian recipes. Mastering the art of spring rolls. When Hanukkah arrived just days later, we weren't Jewish anymore. I would never see the Hebrew school second grade, and the menorah was replaced with a Christmas tree. My mom strung the garland and hung stockings. My father cooked wontons. On Christmas Eve, we went to Mass. I sang songs of Hosanna in the Highest and Mary in the Manger, and I prayed. I prayed that we would stay on Asian cooking for longer than three months. I prayed that I would be good at it. I prayed that my father would someday make sense to me, that I would someday discover what it was in life I loved, what I liked to do, learn about, collect, and read books on. But mostly, I prayed that Asian cooking would not turn back into hats. My middle school musical was coming up, and there was no place in the audience for a beekeeper. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. I've heard the story so many times and read it, uh, it but it makes me laugh and cry. I love that story. Well, Love what it. we're going to do is we're going to take a really short break and we're going to listen to a little electric piquette and we're going to bring these ladies back after the break. But let me give out the call in number if you guys have any questions or want to speak to Andrea or the lip service ladies. It's 305-541-2350. This is the Only in Miami show. This is Michael with Electric Piquette again. You're listening to Only in Miami with Grant's turn. Electric Piquette is a band that loves a, a good cover version. And this is actually a song called Dream On by our very good friend Jim Camacho. You could see him live at the Swamp at next week's Miami Book Fair. He's going to be playing Wednesday the 19th beginning at 9 p.m. Check him out. 
Enjoy. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern. And you can find the show at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. Pod- podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. We're here with Andrea Askwitz and Sarah Klein of Lip Service. And that was a great reading. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so that's a common story, right? Everybody goes through that from yeah. Jewish to non-Jewish. <laughs> and maybe back a little, again. Back again. <laughs> Real common story. Oh, yeah. yeah. In Miami, you either go from Jewish to non-Jewish or Cuban to non-Cuban. <laughs> and back again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably true. <laughs> or maybe both. You could go Juban. Yep. Right. There's always that. In my family, I'm married to a Venezuelan, and so we have Jewish Venezuelan. And so, like, right now, I'm Schwitzing. That's a very uncomplicated breed. (laughs) (laughs) So, you guys are going to be at the Miami Book Fair International. Yes. And it's coming up the 16th through the 23rd, but your reading is going to be Wednesday night, right? Yes. Wednesday, November 19th, at this really cool thing called The Swamp which is all Florida stuff. Okay, what's the swamp? The swamp is like a I th- it's I I've never seen it cuz it's new, but I think it's a it's a tent and I think it's kind of like a cabaret thing where you can drink uh, sit and drink like local beers and watch I like it. Sounds good. Listen, hear music and hear stories. So we're telling the stories from Badass on November 19th at 7 o'clock. At 7 o'clock, the swamp is going to be at the Miami-Dade Wolfson campus, where the rest of the book fair is, I presume. Yeah, it's on the corner of Northeast 3rd and 2nd Avenue. Okay, the corner of Northeast 3rd and 2nd Avenue. So that is, uh, it's right across from the uh, the the main parking garage and the brand new building, the, the Ziskovich building that's on Northeast 2nd, right? Okay, I think so. Yeah, pretty close it's to It's a big tent. Can't miss it. Very big tent. You can't miss it. Um, so... Who else is going to be out there reading? Are we going to have more Miami folk? Are we going to have some folk yes. from around the country? No, this is, it's, it'll be all Miami. It's uh, We'll have Anessa Freilichman, Esther Martinez-Kniff, um, Aaron Curtis. Mm. Who? Christina? Oh, Christina Friedman. Uh, okay. People like, I can't remember. Great people They're from Miami. Awesome. Great yes. stories. All the stories are excellent. That's really cool. So I'm, okay, there's 16 stories in this one. Right. Uh, are there any others that stand out that, that our audience should like maybe Google up? Or how, oh. how else can our... All yeah. the stories are on YouTube, so They're you can on go YouTube. on YouTube. And you can, no, you can access, access all the stories through lipservicestories.com. Lip yep. You can watch stories from all past shows. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So you guys really have a easy. YouTube uh, channel. What right? else What else can our audience we actually, check out? We have a podcast on lipservicestories.com. We okay. have, um, what else do we have? And come to the show. Yes. The show. Of course we want you guys to right. come to the show on Wednesday <laughs> at 7 p.m. at the Swamp at right. the Miami International Book Fair. That is Wednesday, November uh, 19th. Right. 
And it's uh, like uh, being read to. You're going to get to be read to. Bedtime stories, but with a twist, with lots of twists. And they're true and personal and very vulnerable, many of them. The, the beauty of lip service is it's so simple. It really is just one person at a time telling a true story. But you feel like you know that person when, when their story is over. And you get eight of them in, in one hour and a half. So whose idea was it to, to come up with these personal exposés and aggregate them? Well, I actually started lip service eight years ago. Um, I was living in New and actually I was living in L.A., where there's a, a night sort of like lip service kind of every night of the week. And, okay. um, and a bunch of my friends, we started this thing called lip service, and then it kind of died out. So I moved to Miami, where I grew up, and um, it went like this. I was sitting in the cafe at... Um, books and books and I was talking to this really good looking bearded man who was wearing dark jeans and a blue button down and I told him about lip service that I'd been doing in LA and I was like hey do you have any idea where people in Miami go to tell or hear true personal stories the man turned out to be Mitchell Kaplan oh oh, yeah owner of books and books the, the whole the head head guy of the Miami Book Fair International he didn't know me at all but he said hey do it here. That's great. I know. Such so, a generous guy. So well, that's why it's important to have local bookstores and local yep. institutions. Yeah. Because they really have become a local institution. They have. Totally. Yeah. So then I um I I my mom I grew up here, my mom grew up here, and my mom handed me her database. Uh, it was three hundred of her friends. And um <laughs> and I asked them and I asked everybody I knew for a story, and then I sent out we got 35 submissions. I picked eight stories. And then I sent that email out again to all of my mom's friends. And the first audience was packed with 65-year-old Jewish women. <laughs> <laughs> they could not be scandalized. They've been, they've been loyal to us for eight years. Now the audience has grown. There are still those women that they're eight years older. And um, tons. Eight more. years older, eight years wiser. Eight year, yeah. <laughs> eight and, years better looking. And and we got so we we got so big. This word of mouth, word of mouth. We grew out of books and books. It was a free show at first, and now our show is we seat six hundred people at the Miracle Theater in in Miracle Mile. Wow, that's really cool. How often is that? It's it's a bi biannual show. Okay, it, so it, uh, so twice a year. Right. Uh, when is the next one? The next scheduled? one's. We uh, spring. <laughs> okay, so if you spring. don't catch it, 2015. If you do yes. not catch lip service on Wednesday, November 19th at the Swamp, which I hope you during will. the Miami International Book Fair, which you all have to, <laughs> because we've said that you must. Yes, please. Uh, then it's going to be all the way until the spring. But you must for and your And it's going to cost sake. you a lot more. That's true. It's yeah, a ticketed that's event, true. right? Yeah. Lip service is a ticketed event, but the one at the at the Swamp is a free show. Completely. Totally and a hundred percent free if you want to attend on Wednesday night, November nineteenth at the Swamp, yes. at the Miami International Book Fair. So, what are you looking forward to most about being at the book fair this year? Um, I'm excited to he- watch hear Ira Glass do some kind of dance thing. Ira Glass from um, from This American Life. Yeah, that's okay. interesting to me. <laughs> um, a good friend of mine, Joe Clifford, is in town reading. Uh, Lamentations. He actually was co-producer of Lip Service with me s- six years ago, and he moved to San Francisco, and now he he actually produces Lip Service West, 
and he's an author and he's great and he'll be in town. I don't know when. Check the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so are, are there any other interim events planned or, or meetups planned for for lip service after like in between the big event in the spring and and this thing in November? What? We got anything coming up? Lip Service Institute. Oh. Oh, the Lip Service Institute. Uh -huh. That's right. Forgot about that. The Lip Service Institute is is um classes. So if you want to learn and be in a it's really a community of writers, then you can also check out our classes that are that are that are listed on the Lip Service website, lipservicestories.com. Don't okay. leave out that stories. No, lipservicestories.com is the website. And you can join these lovely, lovely ladies on Wednesday night, November 19th. It's at the Miami International Book Fair. And what's your Twitter handle again? Miami, Lip Service Miami. At Lip Service Miami. And they can find you on Facebook. Yep. Yep. Where Lip at? Lip Service Miami. Okay. It's easy to find, guys. So go check them out. And we're going to cut a really cool podcast from the story and release it tomorrow. Oh. <gasps> All yep. Right. So you can, you can, you'll be able to find that at onlyinmiamishow.com. And guess what? What? That's all the time we have for oh, this hour. Thank but, you. Uh, thank you I love so only much. Miami. Thank hey, you. Hey, thank only you so in much, Miami, both of baby. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. And, and thank you, uh, Dr. Phillips and Electric Piquete. You're going to be on in the next hour. We have a great giveaway coming up. So stay tuned. This is the Only in Miami Show. Family safety is my responsibility. Lord forbid anything were to happen while I'm away. So my wife and I decided to get a home security system. The best advice came from an ex-cop buddy who said he had a Vivint home security system. So we went with Vivint. Anyway, about a week later I was traveling. It was late and I got that feeling. You know, like I should check on my family? So I connected to my Vivint home security system from my smartphone. My security camera showed everything was okay. But my oldest forgot to lock the back door and set the alarm. No worries. I arm the system and lock the doors right from my smartphone. Bottom line, with Vivint, I worry way less. Get Vivint Home Security, winner of Consumer Digest's Best Buy Award for its advanced security. Call and get up to $1,800 in security equipment at no charge. That's $1,800 in security equipment at no charge. Call 800-407-1052. That's 800-407-1052. 800-407-1052. Restrictions apply. 48 or 60-month agreement at minimum $68 per month and activation fee required. Not available in Louisiana. See Vivint.com for license numbers. This is Chris Faulkner, CEO of Brightland Energy. Now, have you caught our new show? here on the Wall Street Business Network called Powering America. We talk about everything from politics to fracking and filter it all through my number one motto, American oil from American soil. Now, yes, I firmly believe we can become totally free of foreign oil easily within the next 10 years, but we have obstacles. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Powering America, weekday afternoons at 4 and Sunday afternoons at 2 on 880 The Biz. Hey everyone, it's Edward Woodson inviting you to tune in weekdays from 7 to 8 a.m. to the Edward Woodson Show with me, your host, Edward Woodson. We'll talk business, politics, and the things that really make you mad. I'm Edward Woodson, and I'm so mad!
Listen to The Edward Woodson Show every day, 7 to 8 a.m., and replay at 11 p.m. on 880 a.m. The Biz. How have recent economic shifts affected your long-term investing strategy? Here's Ray Lucia, Jr., chairman of Lucia Capital Group. We've just seen the Fed stop its bond-buying stimulus policy. Now the debate begins about interest rates rising. How will that affect your strategy? After years of strong gains, the stock market had some down days this year. Are you prepared for market corrections? We've seen political tensions rise, commodity prices fall, and we've heard speculation about inflation and deflation. At Lucia Capital Group, we watch current events carefully and we're more focused on building lifelong strategies for our clients to help plan for changing times. We call it the bucket strategy. Learn more about the bucket strategy. Contact a Lucia Capital Group advisor today. Call 800-644-1150. 800-644-1150. Or go to luciacap.com. That's luciacap.com. Securities offered through Lucia Securities LLC, member FINRA SIPC, a subsidiary of Lucia Capital Group and affiliate of Lucia Wealth Services. It's the White House mega scandal no one is talking about. Ever since the mid-90s, there's been a hidden force at work in the stock market. And every six years, this dividing force causes the stock market to crash. The White House inflates an economic bubble, and Wall Street is about to pop that bubble and cash in at your expense. It happens every six years. It happened in 2002, it happened in 2008, and it's going to happen again in... You guessed it, 2014. Protect yourself now by logging on to scandalstocks.com for a free special report. It's called the White House Scandal. Three ways to protect yourself from Washington's six-year itch. It's absolutely free, and it includes three ways you can protect your portfolio's value, even grow your wealth, while everyone else is swept up in Washington's six-year itch. Get your free White House Scandal Report now and protect your investments before it's too late. Log on today to ScandalStocks.com. That's ScandalStocks.com. The unvarnished truth about America's weakening defense posture under Barack Obama. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. Former Secretary of Defense Robert Gates has written an explosive new book, Duty, Memoirs of a Secretary at War. Gates's blunt observation have turned Washington upside down. Now get a copy of Gates's new book free when you subscribe to Town Hall Magazine. Town Hall Magazine brings you fresh, intelligent reporting every month. You can't find it anywhere else, so log on to Town Hall Magazine today and read what you've been missing. Plus, Robert Gates' new book, that's Town Hall Magazine. WZAB Sweetwater, South Florida's only business radio station. 880 AM, The Biz, a division of Salem Communications, on the NASDAQ as SALM. This is the Only in Miami show, hosted by Grant Stern. Tonight's show is underwritten by Morningside Mortgage Corporation. Morningside Mortgage Corporation keeps the Only in Miami show commercial-free. You can find them online at www.morningsidemortgage.com. That's www.morningsidemortgage.com. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. That's www.onlyinmiamishow.com. SoundCloud, iTunes, podcast, and a whole lot more, as we like to say around here. We are live in studio with Electric Piquete. 
Gentlemen, good evening. thank good evening. you for so much for joining us on the show. Chris? Hello, hello. And Mike? Hello, hello. Wonderful to have the both of you here introducing and discussing these wonderful, wonderful tracks that we've been thank playing. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's good to be here, Grant. So let's get it out of the way right now. What's the gig? The gig is this coming Friday at Ball and Chain. It's on A Street and 15th Ave in Little Havana. It is going right. to be our first time there. We're going to be on at 9 o'clock, and the place is jumping. Now, why is it the first time at the Ball and Chain in Little Havana? Well, for one, they haven't been open very long. And, Good point. Uh, and for two, um, well, I guess they, they, they just got tired of you know trying to hear me hit them up for them. I guess they gave us a gig out of mercy. <laughs> out of mercy? No, no. Or maybe they cried for mercy. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not really sure why. You know, it's one of those uh we, we put the call out and they were gracious enough to respond and book us and we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, what I was really hitting at is that the Ball and Chain is a brand new venue. Yes. And it's really it's nothing can replace the Tobacco Road. However, uh certainly it is replacing it as a venue in the list of South Florida venues available for great live music. Yeah, it certainly looks to be a contender to take over what Tobacco Road was to this town in uh in a place that has a sense of history and a place that has really hosted some notable names throughout history and is all about live music. Right. So it, it is going to be a primarily live music venue, right? Yes. From from what I understand, it is. Well, tell our audience a little bit about the neighborhood at 15th Avenue in Cayocho, because not everybody realizes what it's like there right now. People have different perceptions of Cayocho than perhaps reality. Well, I'm personally I'm from Hialeah, so I can't I wouldn't be the expert on Little Havana. Somebody like Paul George might be able to do that a bit more justice. But from well, what what is, I, what's it like today? We well, don't need the history of it, right? From what I understand, it's it's an area that's uh, being redone and it's uh, sort of coming. It's up and coming in in the way that sort of Winwood and Brickle are are being remodeled and and re. There's a shakeup going on. From what I understand, that's that's what's going on with that section there of Little Havana. Yeah, Oikomayet's been there for a while and has been making some noise for a while. So um, it's good to see that you know they're bringing up some other venues around that area because there is a lot of live music, um, albeit mostly Latin. But um, it's good to see there's some other. Venues you know what? I, I consider the Latin music still live. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, you're the guitar player for yes. the group. Uh, tell me how you joined the Electric Piquete. Well, um, Michael and I have been or uh, have been playing together in one way or another for about. Uh, I guess now almost 10 years, um, and uh, Ed was also a good friend, and they started this project together, um, and for some reason they called me. We needed a third wheel, Grant. That's oh. what it was. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> no, needs a no, third wheel. No, actually what they needed was a whipping boy. That's what they needed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Darn Knowing it. Mike, he loves to Oh, uh, no, and you haven't met, <laughs> wait, wait, boys, met Ed. Whip on boys, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, have you met Ed, you know? He just told me I play like a man, which is a, a compliment. Oh, That's, that's a big compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, to to build on what uh, Chris said, Ed and I had been uh, had been jamming together. We actually um, started playing together in an older project that I was in. He was brought in as a as a drummer on a session, and then that kind of fizzled. Him and I just started to jam together and work, and we really needed um, another instrument. We needed literally we needed a third wheel. So, <laughs> as Chris said, we had that familiarity already of having played together. So we thought he was a natural. You know, really. So um, so how many total members? There's three total members. Well, depends on what okay. you define member. Okay, how many how many piqueteers are there total? Well, there's anywhere from five to nine, depending on okay. you know the venue, depending on the budget, and depending on what you know what, what's going on. But usually, a nice a nice happy medium is seven. 
Seven oh, yeah. pieces. That's a good way to split a paycheck, seven ways. Yeah. Well, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Again, depends on the venue. That's why it's from five to nine or right. from five to eight. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, okay, here, here's what I'm going to tell our audience. We are about to give away, what do we have? Uh, well, we have a an official Electric Bigetta swag pack, which comes uh, fitted with a an, an official Electric Bigetta t-shirt and a copy of our three-song sampler, which is our latest release. Okay, so we're going to give away one-to-one one and one to somebody else? Yeah, just, you know, um, okay, preferably so, male and female, because we, we brought a male and a female shirt. Oh, okay, so there's two swag bags? Yeah, oh, that's right. Great, well, I'll tell you what, at 8.08 p.m., we're going to start it, we're going to play the music for a little while, and we're going to give away those two swag bags to the uh, fifth caller and then the sixth caller that's, you know, man and woman, so... If uh, two guys call in, well, we're just going to keep going until we get a lady and a gentleman, and we're going to bring you all on the air when you win. So uh, stay tuned. I'm going to give you the number in just a couple of minutes, and we're going to play some more Electric Piquete. So where can our audience find you guys on Twitter? Well, we are at Electric P-I-Q-U-E-T-E, Electric Piquete. Okay, and you guys have a website, I imagine. Well, actually, we have one, a new one that's under development. Okay, we, so Twitter is the way to go right now. I would say, yeah. And, and you're Facebook. also on SoundCloud. We're very, yes, we're active on Facebook. That's the same thing, facebook.com forward slash electric, P-I-Q-U-E-T-E. Same thing with SoundCloud. Now, explain for audience briefly, piquete, why piquete? Chris, you want to chime in here? Do you remember why? I mean, yeah, I remember you how can make you, something up, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded <laughs> cool. No, go ahead. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead. Well, piquete is a is a an old Cuban slang word for little gang. Um, I I became aware of it uh, through playing little league baseball. A piquete was kind of like when you got your nine men, there you have your piquete and you can play. Okay. So we wanted something very much like w- what we are, which is Hispanic and American. We're cute, largely Cuban American. We got a Puerto Rican American contingent now in the band. So I, I, w- I wanted to. I thought it was important for us to select a name that was had something in English and something in Spanish. So. And and it gives you a good limit to how many players you put into the band. There you go. You got that. <laughs> that for the baseball team. Right, right, right. There you go. It's a good one. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. It is 8.08 p.m., so we are going to start our contest right now. If you want to win, we've got two electric piquete swag bags. If you've been listening to them the whole hour, they, they, they've got CDs. They've got T-shirts. There's a men's and a women's one. Fifth caller wins. 305-541-2350. Let's put on some piquete while we wait for the calls. Can you rock some that song Heart of Soul for us, my man? The Heart of Soul. Chris, you wanna intro this? Yes. Um Okay. The this Heart is of a, Soul is yeah, by the, Electric Piquette. The Heart of Soul by Electric Piquette. This is Chris Cora. Um and you're listening to the only Miami show with Grant Stern.
now, 305-541-2350. We've got two electric piquete swag bags to give away. That's two electric piquete swag bags. Men and women's fifth caller wins. 305-541-2350. Call in right now. Now, 305-541-2350, you'll get one of two electric piquete swag bags, 305-541-2350. This is the Only in Miami show. Call in now, 305-541-2350, 305-541-2350. This is the Only in Miami show. And the fifth caller wins one of two electric piquete swag bags. If you like the music you're listening to, you'll love the swag bag. This is Electric Piquete, and we're the Only in Miami show. Call in now, 305-541-2350 to win. Oh, 
305-541-2350. If you want to win a swag bag from Electric Piquete, we've got men's and women's. Fifth caller wins. 305-541-2350. This is the only in Miami show. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for making it making it into the studio, Mr. Drastic Fanatic. Happy Monday, baby. Happy Monday it is, especially for a fan of your Miami Heat. I thought you were going to say the f- fan of your New York Jets. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The Jets should be really happy. They're giving up uh, draft position. Now, guys, you you both are a little bit into sports, I hear. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So what do you think about this 2014 edition of the Miami Dolphins? They, uh, they'll beat the Patriots and lose to Miami High. I don't, I don't know. I... <laughs> man, uh, the Brandon Albert loss, man, that's like a kick to the pants. I can't that's, believe that. That is a kick to the pants. Yeah, dude. but they look like they recovered nicely from from that with the little switch that they had on, on the O-line. So, I mean. It looked like they were protecting better, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> well, tell me this. I mean, does anybody know what the actual injury is? What was the extent of it? I think it was a torn ACL and a torn ACL. MCL. So, uh, 9 to 12 months. Oh, they got both. But you do have depth. We talked about this with uh, Andy Abrams a couple weeks back, right? You guys do have O-line, but I think you need more, um, I don't know. Who wants to test your depth at this part of the season, right? (laughs) Well, look, you got a big game coming up against the Bills on Thursday, right? It's basically win or go home, right, at this point? So pretty much, and they've been owning the Dolphins, the Bills. Uh, It pains me to say that, but... Well, lucky, lucky for the fish that uh, Kansas City went into Orchard Park and uh, and, and put it to the, the Bills. Job. Did the job. So it, it took a sting away a little bit from uh, the dolphin loss. No, not really. I, I had the Bills on that one. That cost me my uh, office did pool. You? So <laughs> I'm pissed off about that. Ouch. <laughs> uh, it, it goes back to the same thing, you know, to the Marino day. Uh, it's, it's no running game. You know, without a running game, you can make it tough on, on Tannehill, even though Tannehill's been running it. But really? What's up with Lamar I think Miller? that we've had a decent running game. Lamar Miller has a hamstring injury. Oh, that's, that's, that's what it is. Concerning. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. The well, thing was it shoulder last week, and now it's hamstring? You know, being a running back means you're injured. Yeah. Right? I think that's basically that's what's, what's your threshold position. for pain, really? Yeah. But yeah. uh, with, uh, Williams looked decent as well. Yeah, he did. The running back, yeah. Number 34? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, re- the Ricky Williams reincarnate? Yeah, yeah. That guy? <laughs> You're not, no dreads. You're, you know and, what? That's exactly what my friends were saying yesterday. They're like, this guy looks like Ricky, but and something's there, wrong. There isn't a, cl- <laughs> there isn't a cloud of pot smoke uh, <laughs> so following him. So, Well, there's not that. And he is an undrafted, Damian Williams, an undrafted free agent rookie from University of Oklahoma. He's a Sooner. Those guys used to actually always get drafted. What happened? Barry Sanders type? Well, Barry Barry went to Oklahoma State. State, right. But I mean, really, you think that they don't have enough running game? I, thought I, I still they think just... they, don't have, they don't have enough of a push. I, I, you got to step up at the end when it counts, though, right? That's the same thing against the Packers. Well, yeah, I, I, you hear all that, and then Questionable the clock game management. strategy. Yeah. But I mean, we we we'd be, we'd be what seven and two or whatever it is if it wasn't for those two games. I mean, yeah, the Packers and yesterday's and Lions game, pretty I mean, much in, in the last seconds of the game. I, I mean, it's it's just brutal. brutal. I, d- I did like Deion Jordan in pass coverage. Oh, pass yeah. coverage, that was huge. Breaking up that pass there, yeah. that was a great Megatron. play. Yes, it was. But yet Rashard Jones got beat. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, I mean, Richard Jones obviously hadn't taken his magic pill. He's off the sauce yeah. now. Yeah. That's the problem. Well, no, Dion is off the sauce now. That's what everybody says. He, was, what, yeah. he was the third pick in the draft a couple of years ago for mm-hmm. the Miami Dolphins. And uh, and then he's a, he served a suspension this year. Well, he got suspended suspension. in time to get suspended again. again. Right. <laughs> so it's performing enhancement, uh, performing enhancement suspension, and then an actual substance abuse like the. You know what? He that covered Megatron really well. I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, we I'll should make him it. into the, the biggest defensive back in the entire What league. about that pick by Grimes, though, huh? Oh, that oh. was sick, man. 40-inch vertical. Going, yeah. He got great. Megatron on Megatron, right? Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, <laughs> that's did. one of the best interceptions I've ever ever seen. Yeah, same here. Unfortunately, Cortland Finnegan was forced out of the game with yeah. an injury. Did yeah. anybody have an update on that? Anybody here? Uh, it was just an ankle, from what I understand. Yeah. But uh, nothing serious. I mean, well, he didn't come back. So, well, then again, he's he's not gonna have surgery, or at least I haven't heard that. So, it could be worse. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Braden Albert suffered the ultimate. That's a really big injury. Yeah, man. So what you do know, you think? You know, I mean, it's not the Dolphins, but you know, it took a big hit as well in the Cardinals. Talk. To you me. think so? With Carson Palmer, Palmer going oh, down? Man, that's oh, yeah, brutal. Drew Stanton. Yeah, he that's came in dump. and threw a bomb right out of the yeah, game. Yeah, they didn't miss a beat when he was out in the beginning that, of the year. That so. defense has just got some teeth, man. Defense got teeth. He got weapons. Everybody. Yeah. It's tough. I don't know. Arrington they're, at running back? Yeah, Arrington and Fitz good. and uh, Floyd. and Yeah, they're, they're a tough team, man. And defensively, my boy Cromarty over there. Uh, yeah. They the always, boy with eight boys, you miss him, huh? Cromarty? I you miss him now. Who'd have thought that I would ever even those words would be coming out of my mouth that I miss Cromarty? But I freaking miss Cromarty. Drastic. <laughs> uh, am I am I reading into this right? You're a Jets fan. Yeah, I was born that way. Why, bro? Why? Born and raised <laughs> Queens, New York. You know they brainwash you at a young age. You know, and uh, my old man was a Jet fan from the Shea Stadium days, and uh, I had no other choice. No, that's that's good, man. I'm uh, living in the shadow of Joe Namath that I never got to experience, but I hear, Joe Willie. Yeah, you know, so I got to stick it out through, um, you know, the Ken O'Brien years, the Browning Nagel years, the Glenn Foley years. Browning the, Nagel. Yeah. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> so I, I've been through it all, and you know. As a Jet fan now, it's almost like it was when I was a kid growing up. Like, they were never good. We got a little taste a couple of years of Oh, my success. God, Mark Sanchez a yeah, couple of years. years. The Sanchez era was success. Yes. The butt fumble. Wow. Hey, hey, hey. We'll see him tonight. No, that was, we'll see him that tonight was... leading that Eagle squad. That yeah. should be interesting. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? That that brings up the topic. In our next segment, we're actually going to speak with Jay Nog. Jay Nog put together an amazing viral video called Five Hours of Walking in New York City <laughs> as a Jets fan and released that sucker, I, I see, three days ago. He's got a, a little over half a million uh, plays. <laughs> and, He's the most <laughs> trendingest Jet fan in all the world. No, Jay Nog. He re- so I had to read, is he the new Fireman Ed? No, I, he might have to be. <laughs> he might have to be. He might have to be. It's kind of scary. I might fly up there and put him on my shoulders. <laughs> so, <laughs> how is Jets' morale considering the two and eight record? Is that a mathematical look, elimination look, yet, or is look. math still on the Jets' side? We're gonna do like the Dolphins do every year, you know? Ruin your draft position. Exactly. <laughs> be really bad. Be on pace for the first or second pick. Then win a couple of meaningless games along the way, and get you know, get to the tenth pick and get some average. You know, whatever that we're gonna get again. And Aim high for mediocrity. Yeah. That's it. So we're following the uh, Miami Dolphin blueprint this year. 
I don't know. Maybe you guys should hire Jeff Ireland. I think that's mm-hmm. a good place. I to hear start. he's available. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. If, I don't think he could be any worse than uh, our guy John Itzik right now. Actually, he's getting hammered. He should be getting hammered. He's he put a terrible the, team the, the together. Airplane, airplane signs. <laughs> airplane uh, signs. Pr- Next yeah. week we're gonna have the guy with the airplane that's gonna come on. I actually have connections to that guy too. Oh. Oh wow. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are we having on the show? Man's got his we finger got on the pulse. I got my finger on the pulse of all things jet abomination. <laughs> jet abomination nation. <laughs> I, love I love it. Well, you know, now that Ireland is gone, there's only half as much demand for Philbin. Yeah, right. <laughs> what do you think? Philbin stays or goes? Don Aponte. Well, if they make the playoffs, he's gonna he's not going anywhere. They may, are they making the playoffs? No. <laughs> is Philbin gone? Uh yeah, <laughs> there you, you see I'm, I'm trained too, man. Right, you know I'm, yeah, I'm not expecting much. Yeah, every week we sit here, me and him, uh, uh, jazz stuff. At the end of the day, get me a Patriot guy here who can put us both in our place. Ah, the Bills guy this year. Well, Bills <laughs> guy. Well, hopefully not well, on we'll Thursday. Thursday. No, no. Well, they they've got a really really difficult uphill battle. The Bills. I mean, they just got beat up by the the Kansas City Chiefs. And I just say beat up because the Chiefs are a really, really well, tough team. They are. They haven't given up a rushing touchdown all year. Well, no I mean, C.J. Spiller, right? Right. No uh, C.J. Spiller banged up. Um, Sammy Watkins is banged up. Yeah. And so even Fred Jackson is not uh, He's yeah. not 100%. Yeah. No, everybody's banged up on their team. And then they have to turn around and fly down here and play a game against us in three days. The You know, this is, I think, a setup for – a classic Thursday night blowout. Yeah, it's been it's been that way. The home team has yeah. been really the the one that uh, has and, been and, coming out. And I also out. think they're playing a different Dolphin team than they played in was it week two, I believe, week three. Week two or three, yeah. Yeah, so they're playing a different team now. Yeah, this defense is playing much better. Yeah, I think Dan Marino's had a couple of conversations with Tannehill. What do you think? You uh, pro- probably maybe yeah. isn't that the word? Yeah, I yeah. think so. That's what I've heard. So is Tannehill the guy of the future or what at this point? Are you guys got to make the playoffs, man. In? Then, well, not yet, man. Not yet. I, I'm buying into Tanny if he can figure out how to shut the cannon down and just throw a deep pass because he's got a cannon for an arm. And that would make Mike Wallace happy. Is that the thing that would make Mike? Why does this guy got to complain every week? That's why it's a, he's a receiver. Aren't, aren't no, receivers no. He's the last of No one, you know, no one complains anymore. That breed is kind of like out the door with T.O. Now this guy just keeps yapping, yapping. Tanny, get your popcorn ready. <laughs> Tanny is yeah. is a great, great quarterback, but he needs a lot more refining, and specifically in the area of touch. The man can fire the the ten yard out route like there's no tomorrow, and that's a tough. That t- is. That's that's what oh. Pennington could never do. That was the Jay Fiedler pick six. They'd yeah. always ha- – because you have to call it to keep the corners on. I honest. never thought I'd be saying this, but I miss Chad Pennington. Yeah, me too. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing we could both agree yeah. on, I guess. Yeah. But I think what, what uh, Wallace was upset at was that one play where he was open and – Missed like, him. Missed him by like couple, half a foot, you know. So um, – Yeah, he missed him a couple of times by half a foot, and that yeah. was the ball game. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But it's like he's got such a cannon of an arm. I mean, there's just no in-between with – with Tanny, it's he's either, either very short, the cannon or... shot, a short ball that he's gotten some touch on finally, but that long ball is just—he hey, didn't elusive. run much yesterday at all. I didn't see him really just get, gain any yardage. He that couldn't. was out of well, concern for his health. The read option, yeah, Detroit, Detroit D line is—you don't oh, want to run against those guys. You want, you want to protection. run against a Dumping Sue, whatever, however you say his name. And yeah, Dominican yeah, Sue, yeah, and, yeah. and Donkey Kong Sue. And that's that they didn't have Fairly last yesterday because we have Fairly that line. No one's getting through that line, so. Yeah, that's that's a little bit wild, man. I I wouldn't want to run against those guys. I wouldn't even want to be on the same field as those guys. They're dirty. 
Well, Grant, <laughs> Grant, oh, yeah. how, and big. Grant, yeah. and how nasty. about them heats? How about them heat? You know, we're going to talk about the heat, and I know you guys have to take off in a few minutes. We're going to talk about them in the, the second half of the show. Okay. But uh, they've been they've been so pretty far, good. So far, so good, right? So, let, let, I good mean, win. five and two. Yeah. They they won the second half of the back-to-back that they and won both of. big win in Dallas. And that was a stretch of six games and nine nights. Lehu. It's uh, all about staying. It's all about staying. Uh, Lafraud. Lafraud. Staying healthy. Well, did so, you guys um, see what was trending on Facebook earlier this afternoon? No. Kevin Love is already starting all to right, drop the Lakers. The yep. That he's going to opt, opt out, out and just go run to the Lakers already, huh? Well, he said. Uh, I think into game two, he was saying that he wasn't getting the ball enough. Which, hello, welcome, welcome to playing with LeBron. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a second. Well, he After game low, four, LeBron said that there were some bad uh, habits. I'm losing. And <laughs> I think that may be one of them. He said there were some bad habits, but he was here to help. Really, with those bad habits, yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and geez, you know, Kyrie fired back saying, "Bad habits? What bad habits? I'm not going to have any assists as your point guard in the next game." They lost both of those games. And he had zero assists. Wow. Yeah, zero assists by a Cavs point guard. LeBron had 11 points in that game. Yep. And you you must be crying, huh? It's growing pains, dude. They're going to grow into a wonderful you know, mediocre team. I don't, I don't think they are. Like <laughs> wonderful I ex- mediocre team. Like I explained team. to my coworkers uh, today at work, you have has- a team full of number ones. When he came to Miami, there were three number ones, and two of the number ones took a back seat. That's right. Nobody is willing to take a back seat on this team. That's the yeah, problem. Yeah, That's going to be a problem. Little, give them a little time. Nah, no time. No, no it's, it's a different situation. If they were going to do it, they would have done guys, it already. It's, it's a different dynamic. It's man. Wade, Wade and Bosh and, and LeBron had that Olympic experience. You know, they all came in at the same year. I think it's a little different. That you know? built. Well, yeah. Wade also had a ring and knows how to what it takes to win the championship. Yeah, you right. And, you and five other players that were there with him, the James Joneses, Udonis, the Udonis Haslam, the, the Joel Anthonys, the, the Mario Chalmers, the guys that were already immersed in the system, who had been playing, starting, they were in the playoffs, and, and they created continuity. Not just the guys on the court, but the guys off the court, the Bob McAdoo's, the, the Coach Atkins. Rothstein's, the Askins. The, the, you know, I mean, yeah. they really had a huge cast of characters. Fizdale. Fizzdale. Okay, forget Fizzdale. Coach Fizz. Coach Fizz. Yeah, I mean, Chad Kammerer. Yeah. Come on. Kyrie Irving will be traded next year. You heard it here first. <laughs> oh, Breaking news. Okay. On Breaking news. Breaking I said news. it last week. They should trade him for Rajon Rondo. <laughs> oh, man. They should be so lucky. They need to they pass, should be they need to pass so first point guard. Lucky. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a really short break, and I'm going to get the YouTube hang up set, uh, hangout set up. So... For all of you in our listening audience, if you're at home, if you want to check it out, we're going to actually do this by video with J-Nog, and he is the guy that made five hours of walking in NYC. We're going to post the, the publish the, the video to our YouTube page and uh, kind of everywhere in just a second here so you can check it out, and we'll be right back. All right? They, well, guys, Michael, Chris, thank you so much for well, coming on for the show. Us. Thanks for having Thanks, us, guys. man. We'll be yeah. here anytime uh, you like. On the way and out, please check us out on Friday at Ball and Chain. The address is 1513 Southwest 8th Street in Miami. That zip code is 33135 in case you're Googling at home. And thanks again, Grant. Well, I want to try and make it out. It's this Friday. Yeah, you're going to be toast, man. Don't Ball worry and about chain. it. We're, we're playing Ball and a, Chain. We're playing the South Beach Food Truck and Music Festival the following week on the 19th. Keep going. Tell and our then, audience. Where, where else are you playing? And then on Black Friday, on the 28th, we're going to be way up in West Palm Beach at this place called the Alchemist Gastropub. The Alchemist? Uh, my neck of the woods. 
I'm yeah, like, Palm Beach is what, on Clematis. That? that is Friday, the 28th of November, Black right. Friday. Cool. Oh, you I'll guys got the big Black Friday gig. I like it. Yeah, yeah. we suddenly yeah. suddenly became busy. You know, yeah. not, not even trying to, but uh, we yeah, did. Baby. So we really appreciate that. Busy is good. But Always. yeah, check us out. Please like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash electric P-I-Q-U-E-T-E. Please follow the band on Twitter, at electric piquete. And also Instagram, I'd be remiss to say. It's instagram.com forward slash electric P-I-Q-U-E-T-E. Check us out on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash electric piquete. You're getting good at this, man. <laughs> We're going to have to give you a little bit of practice. Thanks, man. You know, I am the group's MC, so he I'm is. sure my bandmates really hate. They, they've heard my spiel. They've heard Sick my rap so many it. times. I have to. Hey, man, someone has to. You know, you're welcome to take the mic anytime you're ready, Chris. Hey, man. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Chris grabs the mic all the time with his instrument. You got that right. Yeah, I make he, enough noise there. He talks with his guitar. Yeah. Well, let's play one more music break with Electric Piquette Day. What are we going to hear, Booth? Can we do Chung Chung, please? Chun Chun. And this one is for Zach, the owner of Ball and Chain. Enjoy it, my friend.
Are you tired of paying big law firms three to $500 per hour for standard corporate legal services? Call the Business and Real Estate Law Group at 800-398-6795. Have you thought about hiring an in-house attorney but don't have the budget to justify it? Visit our website at brelawyers.com and see how we can protect your business without breaking your bottom line. At the Business and Real Estate Law Group, we serve small businesses throughout Florida from our offices in Dade and Palm Beach County. 
Flat fees are available for most transactions. So call 800-398-6795 to speak directly with one of our experienced attorneys. Again, that number is 800-398-6795. Or you can visit our website at brelawyers.com. That's B as in boy, R as in Richard, E as in Edward, lawyers.com. Get the service, value, and peace of mind your business deserves from the attorneys at the Business and Real Estate Law Group. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami Show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find us online at www.onlyinmiamishow.com. And we are on the line with Jay Nog. Jay, are you there? Can you hear us, buddy? No? Nope. Can't hear him, huh? We'll get Jay back on there in just a second. Uh, Drastic, can you tell... Can you tell our audience a little bit about the the Jay Nog video? I'm going right. to play it for us in a second here. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm sure most of America saw the um, original version of a attractive lady walking down the streets of Manhattan, only to be um, basically what it, what was was um, the men of Manhattan Jeez. being exposed as whistling, saying lewd comments, just being basic. Male pigs, I guess. Oh, oh that's and the sign. That sounds like Jay. <laughs> we skyped in. Okay, let's just so, let's pick him up on there, buddy. There so, go. so R2 Jay put D2. together a version that uh, that's a little bit different. Jay, you there with us, buddy? Hello. Hey, how's it going, Jay? What's going on? Thanks for joining us tonight. No problem, man. Uh, you got to turn on, turn down whatever's in the background there. Oh, wonderful! It's the the Google part. Close Google. Okay. Give me a second here. We're gonna have to turn that off, unfortunately. We're all technically haywire here tonight. Yeah, the live streamer went out, so we're all a little bit scrambling. Uh, yeah, I got the Google thing open and the Skype open. Thanks for joining us tonight. Okay. What's going on, man? Uh, well, yes, we're really, down. really glad to have you. I don't on have the anything show. on in the background. It's the the Google and the Skype are not synced. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, I think, we're good, I think we're good now. It's just there's a, a little delay there, but we're past the delay. So I'm just gonna go ahead and hit play, and we can talk over the video because I think people here. We're gonna have to turn that off. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, the live streamer went out. Just so shut off Google. It's okay. We're all so this is the video. Win, buddy. What a joke, bro. Why are you wearing that? <laughs> Rupert Real New York team. <laughs> Who's he referring to? The Giants? <laughs> Next week you gotta wear giant gear. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good idea. You got issues, son. Uh, all these bandwagon jet fans. What a loser. <laughs> oh, so bad for you. Everyone hops off the wagon so quick, huh? Are you for real? Jess? Oh, no! <laughs> Ew, Jess. But that's Manhattan right there for you. That's something the, the new school Manhattan. Soon? I'm sorry. Is is it just discrimination against those who are green? <laughs> I don't think that's what it is. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if Kermit the Frog was wearing Jets stuff, would he you get the same treatment? Catches, huh? No. Listen. <laughs> Everyone was on the jet wagon when things were good. And now, you know, where are you going? To the Giants? Good. Well, they're not much better, right, Jay? I mean, seriously. 
Are we good? Yeah, yeah. we're good, man. What do you think? Are the Giants are, are the Giants any better than the Jets? I mean, the Giants got Super Bowls, dude. You know, yeah. Jets. I mean, the last time it was Namath, and I mean, after that, you know, Namath has done everything possible for us to hate him and America to hate him by looking like a drunk slob on national TV many times, but we still got to love him because he brought us a championship. Yeah. You can't hate he's the guy. A, he's the last messiah. He's going to murder us rampage and give Ebola to everyone. We still got to <laughs> love him, you know? It's it's as if uh, Dwayne, you know, if Dwayne Wade went around wearing stockings and, like, fucking up coin flips, I mean, beeping up coin flips, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I don't think Miami would love him after a while. Well, listen. Look, first of all, Jay, thanks for ha- thanks for being with us. Of course. Um, tell us a little bit. Where where did you get this idea? So we all saw the the original version, right, of the girl walking down. I don't know what she was trying to prove. Basically, like getting catcalled. I mean, down let's get real. She, she was walking in Times Square in Spanish Harlem and Washington Heights. She wasn't walking in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and, and Union Square, and uh, down in the West Village. All right. So yeah, and what was she trying to prove? Skewed. Right. And where, and where did you walk around? What streets did you? Uh, walk through oh we just i mean everything was a sketch i mean it's if you read the comments on the youtube it's hilarious it says written by it says a sketch in there we uh we just honestly walked around union square it says one neighborhood in there we just walked around one little neighborhood right near union square a little west and uh just had random strangers say the lines for us (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) that's it you know but you should read the youtube like the comments like this is fake it's like it's just sad how dumb people are, you know. Well, it's got, it's got five hundred and twenty-five thousand views so far. It, it's going well. I'm I'm very happy with <laughs> I it. I saw the Bleacher Report picked you up this afternoon too, right? Yeah, we yeah, love the Bleacher, Bleacher Report. Report. It's on here. the Huffington Post. Uh, it was on um, Daily News. Had it on yeah, there. I saw that. That's how, that's how I ran into it. Actually, a, a separate friend of mine just happened to repost, it, and I was like, wait a minute. I, I saw the New York guy. Post. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's kind of wild, so I had to reach out and uh, get you on here. But uh, I guess, yeah, it was all scripted, but it was all, all the famous butt fumble, you know, butt fumble and all the... Yeah, we wrote you a like bunch of lines, butt fumble, like 10, don't 15 you? lines, and just <laughs> handed them out to strangers, and we we're just like, hey, can you say this? And then it was funny, because everybody did it really well in the first time, really and then did. we just sometimes were like... Uh, we don't know if we got a good take. Can you say it again? And then they sounded horrible. And we always kept the first one no matter what. <laughs> the Asian guy was the best. <laughs> oh, the Asian guy was beautiful. And at the end, he was like, all right, meaning like, all right was that good. But it just came out like, all right, as the Jets thing. And I was like, that works perfect. Yeah, that works print. better. So have you had any backlash from the feminist groups? Um, Not really. A couple of dude feminists. Uh, and then you go on their Twitter page. you got like two followers. It's just I don't know if they're trolls or not. Uh, more people being like uh, just the fake realness. And then it, then it goes into people's arguments. And then people are just like, it's a parody, you moron. And then they get into a fight on the thread. And oh, then uh, people saying either I walk gay or I, I shit myself. Uh, one or the other. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Excited I about can't that say one. that. My bad. <laughs> He's got his finger on the pulse. Don't so, worry. So are you one of the Mets Jets tribe as well? I'm Mets Jets Knicks Islanders. And the saddest thing is oh. the Islanders brought us the most championships in my lifetime. Right. I don't even have that. I'm Mets, Knicks, Mets, Jets, Knicks, and Rangers. I just got 94 and 86, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You got two dates. Yeah. That the Islanders, the... I, was, I was too young to even remember that, you know? Right. Yeah, At we least just you can count them, it. though. You can count them. Can They're count. better yeah, than the, the Florida Knicks, Panthers. we had an almost we had in the 90s. Almost that was the almost with the Rockets, and Ewing decides to finger roll when you're seven feet tall. 
Right. Um, but besides that, I'm not bitter about it, I swear. It is what it is, right? But that's the thing about being a Jet fan that I'm, like, trying to explain to people. Look, I, I grew up during the Ken O'Brien years, right? Watching that, the, a little the Ken O'Brien glory years. Yeah, yeah, the sack exchange <laughs> a little bit. But they never won anything, you know? And they were always terrible. So, like, I grew yeah. up just knowing terrible football, you know? The Neil O'Donnell, It's just Boomer the franchise has never had – I mean, you think about the last years. You don't fear anyone on the Jets. Not now, definitely you not You feared now. Revis. It's the only person right. you feared in a while. No, no, no. The only person on the Jets he really feared was Revis leaving. Well, and then he that's did. true. And then they got rid of him, actually. They just kicked and, him off. And they I mean, you can't back. pay a corner $12 million a year. It's crazy. I mean, well, I don't know, man. Cost of living in New York is tough. I, so, I hear you. I mean, <laughs> so the New York, so the Jet fans, we got a little spoiled, right? We made two AFC championships with the Sanchez. I wouldn't say spoiled, I would say optimistic. Well, spoiled. We had winning football. Come on, there, Dolphins. Yeah. Slow down. Slow down. Listen. Um, but now we're, it's all—it's going back to the old school of growing up as a Jeff fan. You know, all those miserable years. This is what being a Jeff fan is all about. Come on. Let's just call an <laughs> it, ace and ace. Like all these new kids that, you know, the new school kids, they're coming up. They got a little spoiled. They went through the Vinny years, the Chad years. Those are, like, pretty good for really good, actually, as a lifelong Jeff fan. It so, prepares you for real life, you know? Exactly. It's just constant letdowns. Disappointment in every <laughs> Right. And you showed that. Walking through the streets at every corner, there was more letdown. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, uh, I mean, you know what? I'm pissed they won. I mean, my video, I think Rex played in the locker room to pump him up. But it was, uh, I, we want the number one draft pick. We need a QB. Well, that's, that's a conundrum that us Dolphins fans know quite well. It's called the mediocrity trap. See what happens yeah. <laughs> is what happens is the team gets down and you know six seven wins uh, six seven losses early in the season, pretty much your season's over over once you go like one and three you know one and four is done, right? But then the coach is like on the hot seat, right? So well, of course rally the troops. So of course all the guys got to play for the coach, who then coaches the team into a bad finish, maybe six and ten. Right, five and eleven, we call it the ninth pick. Well, yeah, we can't. It doesn't really matter what pick we get. Put we'll Gino find a way to bobble it anyway. Just put Gino back in. Just let him sink or swim. Right at this point, what are we doing here? Well, I was asking last year if, if it's time to start the the Matt Sims era in New York, and is no, it time? That guy's not the answer. Stop. Yeah, Matt Sims is no superstar. Uh, I mean, put him in if we want to get some more losses. Just add to it, you know. It's just a mediocrity. Yeah. But uh, we're, I mean, we're not going to lose this week. Yeah, we're going to buy. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the good I news. I thought you, you knew something we didn't. Yeah, optimistic. Optimistic, you know. No, uh, no loss next week. That's true. That's, that's, that's what Jet fans. That's what we look forward to a bye week, so we're not losing. How sad is that? <laughs> yeah, that is really a sad. Two-game non-losing streak we got going. Well, <laughs> okay. that's right. Speaking it's, of, it, I'll take it as a two-game winning streak. To be honest right. with you, <laughs> so what do you think going forward? Who's going to be making that pick for us next year? Is it John Itzik? Oh, we got a clean house. You got clean a clean. House. You got a clean house. You got to get rid of everyone. Everyone. I agree. As much and, as and I you love gotta, Rex, you got to get someone. You need a coach who's been through it. You know, who knows? Maybe. I mean, I don't know if you're going to grab anyone out of retirement like Gruden or Cower, but See, maybe I'm tell you the difficult fire Lovey Smith. I'll take Lovey Smith. Really. No, no, no. Yeah. He showed you in Tampa. I don't he's got, know. he's got, he's won a Super Bowl. You know, been the Super Bowls. He's been to a Super Bowl. Well, here's yeah, the thing: the Bears. You know, he's been to Super Bowl with the Bears. See, this and, is um, 
this is the biggest problem. What happens is they we need a they black say, coach. Well, That's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> okay, I like that idea. I like that idea. But they, here's what happens. They say, well, we don't want to get rid of this guy in the middle of the season and have somebody else take over. But again, you, you've heard about the the rally around Rex thing, which happened last year. And in fact, do you guys realize that that win over the Dolphins is what cast the Jets' season into that terrible schedule this year? Yeah, because this, this they got the, the tougher schedule and look, than the Dolphins. It's exciting up Rex to lose this year, in my opinion. I mean, anytime you gave Rex a decent team, even last year, he won eight and eight with with garbage. Right, he found the he mediocrity trap. He found but the at trap this point because yeah, they they were they were out of it. There was almost no way they were going to get a playoff game. But they played for him. But they played he, for him and ruined the draft position, and now they stink. Well, what do you mean? And now the, they're going to stink again next year. They could have taken Odell year. Beckham. They took Calvin Pryor instead. The guy was benched the whole game yesterday. Are you kidding me? Why we need a QB. It's a QB. Unless you it have a good a quarterback, you're not winning anything. Right. And Rex doesn't realize that. Rex still wants to do it the old school way like daddy. He wants to blitz the world and – Ground and pound, and that's not the new NFL anymore, unfortunately. I mean, so. we got a great front seven, but you tire out after three and outs. You know, you have seven three and outs oh, in the man. first half. You know, you get. Yep. So, so Jay, when you're not depressed about being a Jets fan, what do you do with the, the rest of your time up there in New York? Uh, I'm a, a stand up comic, so I'm, I'm actually uh, getting out of here in like 15 minutes to head to uh, two shows tonight. So uh, are you going to come down here and play at one of the local clubs in Miami or maybe West Palm with uh, El Drastico? That would be awesome. I'm actually going to be not in my – I'm going to be in Fort Myers, I think, in, in March. I'll be in for three, four days. Um, right. But have not booked anything else uh, in Florida right now. Okay. We yeah, can work on that for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, you get, you, get a, you got to promise to let us know when you're going to come down here. We'll try and 100%. get you a gig. Yeah. Of course. Jay, where can we find you on Twitter, the most trendingest man in all the Jet Nation? Oh, uh, it, it was just crazy. You look on Facebook and you see your you, – I'm trending one and the Pope's too. That's kind of <laughs> – uh, uh, I was uh, at Jay Nog. You can find me, J-A-Y-N-O-G. And, uh, you know, subscribe to the YouTube page. I, You know, I got a lot of other man on the street stuff. There's uh, – we did an Ebola video a couple weeks ago uh, when that happened, Breakout New York. And uh, – comic-con and i do a thing called life ref where i dress in a an nfl referee uniform and i go around in different events and throw, throw flags. flags on people for life fouls when the like halloween that. St. I like that. i'm still doing that myself i think i like we that. might have to do that at the station here yeah i'll just like you every time you talk about yeah let dolphins. me know life ref will come down life ref i like that life yeah. ref yeah it's on the youtube page so jay nog and check it out and Thanks for having me on, guys. Really right, appreciate, Jay, appreciate it. Jay, buddy. thanks for, for hanging in there and bearing with us during these times of technical trouble. <laughs> thanks, you guys brother. are great. Right, <laughs> Thank you, guys. Great. Well, we've got a couple more minutes left, and it's been a fun show. Absolutely. A fun show. Yeah. Always a good time. Beat thanks, up on Jay. my Jets, beat up on your Dolphins. <laughs> well, at least the Dolphins have less to be beating up on, uh, you know, in yeah, general. Until these next days. week. Then we'll check back in and see what that's all about. Well, you never know. I mean, the Dolphins are up and down. That's what makes them a good, mediocre team. You see you them know, beating the, the Bills song. or what? Do you see yeah, a lot of Sammy gonna... Watkins running loose in MIA? You know, the, the, the idea is, and somebody was telling me I, that Coach Philbin was out the entire week mm-hmm. before the Chargers game. And as we all know, the Dolphins walloped the Chargers 37 Yeah, I think the Chargers were out all night before the Chargers game. Right, but in this case, it's not even that good for the other team. I mean, they're playing a second NFL game on three days rest. 
Yeah, that's tough. And they have, and they're the ones that have to fly from the frigid north down to the balmy south. We should be able to take advantage of these guys. And that's they're banged a, that's up. the funny thing about the NFL. How hypocritical, right? They're always claiming that they're worried about players' health and everything, and then they're rolling guys out there every week, three ga- three days of rest. I, I've been against Thursday night football from the get go. It's, it's, it's a nice holiday and idea. Else is secondary, and that's but the uh, you know, I thought it was it, it worked out when teams had buys before or after, especially yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but when you can't, you don't give people's bodies time to heal, and then you're going to claim that you're worried about their health. I mean, which well, one is it? Well, not just that, but it degrades the quote unquote product. What you see on the field, you know, every the, Thursday night game has been a blowout. Yeah, and then guys get hurt during those games and it affects their future. And I, I'd rather see them just play on Sunday. It, it puts one more game into my uh, four o'clock for the NFL red zone, and that's just more right. fun to me. And it makes you scramble for the Thursday night right after you picked up the guy off the waiver wire on your fantasy team. Now you're worried about, I got lucky because I actually got stuck playing Cleveland defense on Thursday night, and they kicked butt, and they shut down the Bengals. So you got lucky, stumbled into Lucky. That. Yeah. Well, that is about all the time we have for tonight. I want to thank Jay Nog for coming on the program and the Electric Piquete. And as well, my dear friend, Drastic Fanatic. Thank you as always. And by the way, audience, you can find him at Drastic Fanatic on Twitter. He's always on there, and I do mean always. And we always have a good laugh. And uh, you can check out Jay. He's at Jay Nog. And we'll be back next Monday. This is the only in Miami show.